0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's another version of or episode of Bragging Rights. This is your host Phoebe, along with my co-host Joe. Hey, Joe, how are you doing?
0: Good. Good morning. It's nice to finally be back here with you.
1: I know it's been a while. Uh, it's I don't been know exactly. I don't know exactly why it's been a while necessarily. Um, I think last week I just thought you would be tired from. Uh, your, all your escapades the day before, so I think that's why I never even reached out to say if you wanted to do the show or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, I kind of, well, I woke up that morning and I was like, well, I didn't get a message, so I'm going to go back to bed. I, <laughs> love getting, I love getting a little extra hour of sleep on the weekend. Sleep, sleep is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, sleep is a favorite. I'm <laughs> Yeah.
0: Oh. So how have you been?
1: I've I've been good. I I went hiking yesterday with some of the kids, and um, we went to Heather Lake. And one of the kids Where's, wants to get. I'm sorry, what? Where is that at? Where is Heather Granite Lake? Granite Falls area, I think. Oh, okay. I just followed the GPS system. It's near Mount Rainier and all that stuff. Is it? Oh, yeah. So
0: how did? Um, okay. Did you take uh highway 410 or you just, you're going to say uh, you followed the GPS, right?
1: I followed the GPS, but I know there was like a mm. highway nine somewhere. Oh, okay. And then that, <laughs> don't know. It's <laughs> all the GPS. Oh. Um, I don't even know how I, I sur- know, actually I know how I survived without the GPS. I got lost constantly. Even with GPS, I sometimes still get lost, but at least it reroutes. But, um so we ended up going to heather lake it was it was pretty uh it, there was snow uh one of the girls uh had created the one of the biggest snowballs <laughs> it was fun and um just took a, a bunch of cute photos of them and um it was just fun to to hang out with them and so one of the boys wanted to get a gopro to take footage right. of everything that we do and But he was like, oh, but it's so expensive and all these different things. Well, so I said to him, well, he wanted it by summer. And I said, well, if you just break it down by this much money every week and you save up for it, you know, you can get that GoPro. And so I I threw out the idea to him that, you know, I've been trying to get into this, like, working out. I want to work out, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, if you set up my, my plan, like, and and train me once a week and then give me what I'm supposed to do throughout the week then I'll pay you um money and then I said either can I can give it to you or I can hold it so you don't spend it on anything else <laughs> and save it for your GoPro and so he texted me and he said okay this is this is what he wants me to do so let me read to you what he wants me to do and I'm like what did I my set what did I sign up for <laughs> He said, here's your, here's your warm-up. Five-minute run. Five minutes? I can't barely run 30 seconds. And he said, five-minute run. Lunges times five, three sets. Jumping jacks, one minute. Push-ups times five, three sets. Tricep dips times six, three sets. Alternate between push-ups and tricep dips. Burpees times five, three sets. Break one minute max, no more than one minute. Sit-ups times 20, two reps. Crunches times 20, two reps two-minute run after he goes oh yeah keep your mind focused and you'll be done with the workout faster than you know and I said this is the easy one (laughs) he's like yes that's easy Uh uh-huh the reps will increase later on but I was like oh my word I I signed up for getting my butt kicked but um anyways so on on top of that so once they found out that uh he was going to help me exercise and stuff the kids were like "Ooh, we should take you grocery shopping which I Facebook lived and so they took me grocery shopping and they wanted me to try all these stuff and the biggest thing I didn't want to do with was just egg whites because my favorite part of eggs is just the gooey gooeyness of the that the yolk but anyways it wasn't so bad after seasoned you know they showed me what to do the, it was funny because the the girls were kind of amused watching the guys cook. They're like, I don't know what they're doing, but um, but it's still. I mean, it's it looked good. I'm gonna eat it today, and and then so yeah, so yeah, so not only did they go grocery shopping with me, they wanted to come over and cook me food. <laughs> These kids are great. <laughs> so it, it was it was good. It was good hanging out with them and spending time with them. We only get to uh, do things together like once a month, but. We're either we're trying to decide next month if we're going to go to Leavenworth or Canada for um, those Christmas lights and stuff. So we're trying to decide. Uh,
0: um, are you going to go to Vancouver?
1: The, we were thinking of it. You know, you've have you seen those ads for like the biggest Christmas light display or something or something to that yeah, effect? Yeah. Well, I've been there
0: a couple years in a row. I've been in the town for around that time of year. So, we've seen some of the lights, but we haven't seen, you know, like all of it. It was but, like, it's just ah, that, yes. that
1: Christmas light maze.
0: like a maze. yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I think I it, know what
0: you're talking about. I think it is yeah. Vancouver.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, but the thing is, I'm already going over there this Christmas uh, with family, so I don't know. Um, and, and one of the kids really wants to go to Leavenworth instead, but we've been to Leavenworth this year, but not for the, like, Christmas lights display, but... I don't know. Well, I, I told them it's a democracy. We're going to put it out there and have the decision based upon, you know, what the majority wants and and just right. kind of give them the pros and cons of things. Oh, speaking of democracy. <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay, how about you? Um,
0: well, speaking of Vancouver, uh, two weeks ago we took our trip up to uh Went to go see our friend do comedy again in Vancouver. So we drove up for the weekend and stayed in the city of Vancouver. Um, you know, I just really, Vancouver to me has the same, almost same kind of soul as, as Seattle does. It's a little bit different, but uh, it's very familiar. Uh, just I like walking through that town. Of course, every time I take my wife, to that town it costs me money because you know there's good shopping there so she uh, <laughs> has a tendency to to shop a little cuz you know once you go on vacation it's 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 mandatory that you uh do a little shopping and bring something home with you right some something to remind you of the trip right yeah four or five <laughs> new new items of clothes and nothing for me <laughs> that's how it works out but is that what married time. life is? Got, <laughs> yeah, it is, sort of. You know, sacrifices are made, and mostly it's me giving up the things I want. But that's okay. <laughs> someone Happy wife, a happy, life, a a happy life. Exactly. Um, but we got to go up and hang out with my friend Ian, watch him do some comedy, and then we also got to meet uh, – his sister and so it was just it's a very nice time we had a good time together um it was crazy coming back though we saw so many uh, we saw two very bad accidents on the way back and it was just it was it reminds you that you know you're only seconds away because i was literally looking in my rearview mirror as a car accident happened where on the freeway at 65 70 miles an hour cars were just turning sideways like it was a nascar wreck it was crazy so that was pretty wow. shocking on the way home but yeah it was it was like can we get home a little you know a little faster but and then i saw another poor individual uh, a motorcycle guy it looked very very um he looked very hurt so it was just weird on the way home. We had such a good time then on the way home where it was an instant reminder of, you know, <laughs> you got to keep your head on a swivel, and sometimes even that you can't control everything. But overall, I mean, we had a really good weekend. That's good. Think, I'm glad. I think we come back, and I think that was the Monday night against Buffalo that we came back. For, and, then, and then last weekend, I had a wonderful adventure with uh, Ian Cornwell and HOA. We went to the University of Washington for uh, the college football pregame show was being televised from Montlake at, at Red Square at the University of Washington. So we went up early, early in the morning to go that was a tough over game. to... Oh uh, yeah. It was tough, tough game. But we had went to uh Ian's neighborhood early in the morning and then took the light rail over and stood in the rain while they did the television show. I got on T V again. Um, I was I gave uh Joel McHale a high five, so I got on T V <laughs> and uh so we were there for about three hours and had a little fun, and then after that we had a really nice lunch over at the Five Point Cafe uh, near the Space Needle. So it was it was it was a good day of hanging out with some friends and stuff like that. So yeah, keeping busy, having fun, but uh, overall it's been good.
1: Well, that's good. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is this is a sports show, and we'll keep it very much a sports show. But I just wanted maybe like a minute of what your thoughts were uh, with the elections.
0: Um, shocking, first word that comes to mind. Uh, I was disappointed. Disappointed but I understand a little bit. Uh, there's vast people in the nation that feel that they were not being represented, represented and their voice was obviously heard. Um, I think that, you know, if we can work together to fix some of the fractures that we have dealing with each other, maybe we'll be better off. Um, not my choice, but I am one of those people that, first of all, I'd like to see how things affect me on uh, a on a personal level before I cast judgment. I like to see, you know, whether you know my personal life markedly improves or gets worse. Of course, you know, I live from a, a very different perspective than some people, but. I don't know. It's going to be a long four years. I I was reminded by my friend Ian Bag that um if that, that that even if we don't aren't uh big fans of what's going on, we cannot uh turn away from what some of the things that might be emboldened because of this decision that it, he told he reminded me it's our responsibility to speak out to uh to notice the things that are going around uh, going on around us and make sure that we don't uh, turn a blind eye to it so if you see something that you don't uh, that people shouldn't act that way then say something don't just walk away and and he reminded me that you know have to fight a little bit for maybe people who don't have the same voice so I'm hoping for the best, and I don't want to fear the worst. How's that? That's as much as I can give you.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I I remember the day <laughs> because as I was watching um, as I was watching the results come in, uh, certain networks called things far earlier than other networks, which I find always interesting. Why it takes other networks so much longer, but um, but. So I kind of already knew what the call was even before I fell asleep, um, even though um, I think other networks took a while um, to say to say what I think they were dreading to admit to. But, yeah, um, maybe. yeah, um But the thing I, I find really interesting is, you know, I'm just a – I love – you know me. I'm a nerd. I love stats. I love looking at things as much as possible in a very um, objective stance on stuff. Um, So I just wanted to look back and look at how things were voted for in the past, like the last election, this election, um, things of that nature, and just kind of contrast and compare. Obviously not by vote count, but just by percentages of like who voted what and the really interesting thing that was kind of obvious, first and foremost, is the same amount of votes um, came in for Republicans as typically would. Yes, the demographics of who voted it was slightly different, but the same amount did. But there was about four to to eight million that didn't either vote uh, for the Democratic uh, nominee or chose a third party instead and so i really i mean as as i mean i know that i don't want to be controversial stating this but i really do think at the end of the day um those who typically vote democrats are the one who ushered in this president um because either they chose to not vote or they chose to vote a third party um or maybe uh, here's a, a more controversial statement maybe i will say but I do think to some degree DNC um, ushered this in by not uh, rallying behind somebody that the majority of their base was excited about, and they chose somebody sure. more established in their party and, and created things that were maybe more beneficial to who they preferred and almost sabotaged the, the, the party, I mean, the nominee that, that the people wanted. Um, versus right. the establishment, um, and so I think to some degree they, they, you feel the backlash towards them from people who felt like they helped create this. Um, but on the flip side too, is I think that there is some dis, uh, there is some um, I think there's some misrepresentation in the media about how he won as well. Because I think because there's all this hype. I mean, I shouldn't say hype because it's very real. You have seen the emboldened people speaking things that are horrible and things that are wrong sure. and things that they should be held responsible for, uh, both on a personal level and also because uh, when you when you put somebody in the highest office, um, their actions are the measuring stick. So I absolutely agree with that. But on the flip side. I hear it so many times that this was um, about white people making a decision. But the reality is if people look at the stats, it's because he got more minorities to vote for him than Republicans have had in the past. So obviously there was he, – he, he, the only percentage of races that he lost votes from were actually white and those were, who were considered other but from Hispanics from blacks and from um Asians he got more votes than Romney did in the last election or or more more of a more of the pie I guess either it went right. to him or it went to a third party so people have to there and I have um and I have friends and family that believe in a lot of ways that um that the way certain words, I mean, okay, there's certain certain clips or things were taken out of context, and if they had watched the whole clip themselves, they felt like the the things that he said was a misrepresentation. So, so it was kind of it, it was kind of a hard thing because I, I hear as an Asian, I hear all this stuff in the media, and it's true. Uh, there's truth to it i And I see it, and I hear my friends who are who are very fearful, very scared um, about this whole thing. One of my friends she cried all night. it was so difficult for her. Um, she was f- afraid for her life, she was afraid of how things would change um, and and I grieve over that, and I feel over that, uh, but then I sure. have another segment of family and friends that feel completely the opposite where right. where people are like I I am I am a minority and I'm not afraid and or um or I even watched the the video of uh the interview with um, that Muslim woman that had voted for Trump and she said that she voted for him because the Democratic Party won't uh choose to call radical islamic islamic things into to light like that they're afraid to say so and she goes I don't think recognizing that reality should make people fearful of Muslims in general. She says, we need to be able to be honest about the reality that that exists. And it doesn't make me fearful, she said. And it makes me more upset that – not upset, she just was saying, it just made her feel more like it's going to be dealt with under this administration versus the other because the other won't even recognize it exists. Um, So it's so – it was so – so I, I guess I'm saying this whole thing, what I'm realizing as I'm watching my Facebook feeds and watching both sides of the parties, like whether Democrat or Republican or, or whatnot, is the reality that every time we minimize each other as simply one thing, we're really shutting down a really meaningful conversation about right. why, yeah. why do people make the choices that they made. Um. That, it that, it, it, and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because there are people that are hurting big time, and and are really genuinely scared. And how do you speak into the lives of people who feel like their friends and family betrayed uh, betrayed them by choosing someone that they feel puts their life in danger? Or, um, but on the flip side, you know, how how can we have the conversation started from? From every angle, and to understand that when people talk about republicans and and, and, and the votes for Trump, that they always make it seem like a, a white vote, and the reality is that 's not the truth, and there are so many minorities that have actually voted for him and get and I read their post and they get frustrated with saying, "Stop talking like we didn 't exist in this whole conversation and right. why we didn't, why we voted the way we did, and why why we think he 's a better candidate and it's it's so funny that even in the midst of um, this whole conversation, minorities still get a, get um, get overlooked, <laughs> which is so funny that the very people that may in essence have helped him win his nomination uh, were minorities, and the people are saying that minorities are getting overlooked, but yet those voices of minorities get overlooked all the time because they're not the <laughs> The biggest consensus that because minorities are usually viewed as part of the Democratic Party um, when when minorities speak on the Republican side they're always overlooked for the most part and and so I, I just I just feel like um, this this election has been really eye-opening and it's been heartbreaking but it's also it makes me sad that instead of opening up really important conversations it has continued to just bring even a bigger divide and um, I just hope it gets better. I do. And I think we're better than this as a, a, a nation. Um, but I don't know. I guess we, we'll see. We'll see what the next we, we
0: really. The next four years are really going to tell. Are we moving forward? Are we? Are we actually willing to have the important conversation over the next four years and continue to make progress? And I guess for me, it's just going to be, a challenge to myself on an individual level to keep being trying to become better. Um, and that's all I can do. That's all that's within my control is to, you know, I don't know, just each and every day when I, when I meet somebody, you know, I, I'd rather bestow a smile on them than, than, than a judgment or, or whatever. So I can only try and be better. Myself and hope I hope that I can at least make enough of an impact that way, so
1: and and just one last note for myself, and I agree with you is the fact that what made me sad about this election is people made it sound like um, everything is suddenly outside of our control, and I don't believe that's the truth. I believe that we each individual make the decision to be a better person. And right. if we do see, if we do see injustice, if we do see people being malicious and, and and treating people in derogatory ways, that we step up as people and say that is not part of what being a human being is about. Is that we need to care about right. people, we need to love people. Turning and, and turning and, and, a blind
0: eye is 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 the same to me as approval. So
1: absolutely, if you
0: see it and walk past it, then it's it's complicit. You are. You are complicit in whatever is going on if you walk away and don't, I, you know, I understand there may be situations where you might fear for your safety, but,
1: you know,
0: maybe, maybe. Well, yeah. if you
1: fear for your safety, imagine how, how much they must be fearing you. Yeah, own. exactly. Yeah,
0: how, either how other people are.
1: Yeah. You're, a, you're so. residual. You're, you're almost a, a, a you, you get affected just because, you happen to be there, but they're they're affected right. because they're the focus of it the, the sad part is here's the reality, and as people may not like to admit it or not, it's happening on both sides of the party um, maliciousness is happening on both sides of the party, and uh, for as many swastikas as I've seen um, you know oh, yeah. put oh, on yeah. people's people's things and 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 horrible words being spewed out or things happening to particular people of, of certain religions, I've seen it on the other side as well. It really is about what you choose to believe is the only reality. And, you can't, and if you surround yourself only with one set of people, and if you don't surround, actively surround yourself with people who think differently than you, live differently than you, you will make them a caricature of who they really are. You will make them simply... Bad or good, and never a reality that these that people can change. that people can grow. Um, I just and and I don't I don't know what it's worth as a person of minority to say that because I always feel like as a as a person of minority, people expect me to say that I'm afraid or that I um, or to me, honestly, when people. Speak with me in derogatory ways that 's a reflection on them and not on myself and I never internalize that uh, right. I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry that their world is that small. I feel sorry that they um, that they feel like that 's the only way that they can make their life matter um, but but i can't, i can 't give them that much power and that 's what makes me sad about what i 've seen. Um, To some degree with some of the reactions is that it's almost like people gave their power away and said that because this has happened, this inevitably is the only response. And there are people that are using this as an excuse to finally say what they've always been afraid to say and feel like they couldn't say. And this is what I will say for people like this. People confuse political correctness with just being like decent human beings. That, yes, there's a, a frustrating thing about political correctness. I don't right, really. Yeah.
0: I, I, I can I, see that. I don't
1: like political correctness. You know, I don't like it when you're afraid to say anything. Right. <clears throat> but when you think that political correctness means that you can't be mean, well, yeah, <laughs> don't be mean. Like yeah. that's not political. That's just being a human yeah. being. Human you know decency what
0: I mean? is uh, a little different than just yeah, being yeah. PC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pro-
1: yeah, it's not it's not political correct, correctness to be a human, like being a decent human being. Don't confuse those two. Yes, I don't right. like political correctness next to the other person. I don't. I, I don't. I think it's kind of ridiculous sometimes. I think it's over the top sometimes. But I don't confuse that with human decency. And that's what I think was happening with people nowadays. But anyways, I know that that took 30 minutes of y'all's time and you can fast forward this if you're just listening to a podcast and not listening to it live. But you know, we're human beings here, too, and we love sports, but we have thoughts on life in general, whether that's sharing right. about our lives or sharing about our thoughts on this. And, and I'm not saying that I have everything figured out, because I don't, but all I can say is that I'm friends with people from both sides of the aisle, and I see the pain on one side, and I see um, the, the, I don't know what it is on the other side, necessarily, but I just I do see that people have a lot more depth and a lot more layers to them than what the media portrays or even what my Facebook portrays. Like if I only read one side every single day of my life, I would think only one thing about the other side Um, and vice versa. But I am so blessed right now because I have friends from both sides, and they're full of layers and full of depth, and they are really full of intelligence, and they aren't. They aren't these caricatures that people make out, and it makes me sad when people are satisfied with caricatures, because that's not that's not real life. We're complicated human beings. We just are. But anyways, so let's go to something more lighthearted, and let's talk about um, football. Can we talk about um, real quick? Oh, go ahead.
0: First, I was what, about what did to, you want to, say to say that that we hadn't spoken for a couple weeks, so. Maybe we could just touch real quick back on uh maybe your instant reactions from the monday night game uh anything that you were kind of uh, optimistic uh watching uh, any any takeaways that you had from that that particular monday night game you get, I, you, you know it's been so long can you remind me who,
1: who who which one was <laughs> which one was that
0: which one was the Monday night game?
1: Yeah, it's that it's was so the
0: controversial, uh, controversial oh, Buffalo that. Bills game, oh, and, that. and all
1: that. Okay, talk about, lame, lame, lame. Yeah. That was it's the excuses, lamest, right? lamest thing I've ever heard. Um, you know, I think they just love to hate on Richard Sherman, but okay, obviously offsides, no question about that. Uh, but it is the right. job of the refs. If ju- the refs are not doing their jobs, them as a player, uh, as a player he has to do his job until they blow that whistle. And frankly, as he's shown in his pictures, he touched that ball, and right. um, I don't think he was trying to play it dirty. Um, first, and also, frankly, with the the kicker, hello, let me hand you your Oscar because yeah. <laughs> I put it on I I put it on you. That that last thirty seconds or however long that was was as crazy as it turned out to be, because one yeah, well, if he didn't he, if he problem, didn't play yeah. hurt, yeah if he didn't play didn't hurt oh I'm go, um it's, it's so horrible that then the the all of that didn't have to ha- come have come happen.
0: Mm-hmm. The trainer doesn't have to come out. He doesn't mm-hmm. have, to mm-hmm. have to sit out and mm-hmm. play. The mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. referee doesn't have to spot the ball again a second time. In mm-hmm. Now, see, the other thing that I particularly don't care is for is the Seattle Seahawks. By reputation, uh, were uh, the rest of the league and fans were casting judgment on the Seattle Seahawks based on mistakes that the the officiating crew made. Um, so we're you know we ended up being the bad guy. For mistakes being made by the officials, we didn't do anything other than, you know, Richard didn't do other thing than play to the whistle. Then his job, right? He, he did just his did his job. his job, right? They didn't do their job, now but he did his. Now, exactly. now, because they didn't uh, officiate it quite properly, now Richard Sherman's the bad guy again. But, but, I like it better when Richard's the bad guy. So it just I think it just fires something up inside of him um, so I'll take it um make make Richard into the villain and and bring this team together behind silly little things like that. That's all right. I mean, just give this team another chip, another thing to think about to stay focused while practicing during the week at shell you know. but in addition to that, I really like this, uh, Demontre Moore. Uh, I think he's going to be another one of these amazing pickups in the middle of the season because he's come in over the last two games and just, you know, especially two games where Michael Bennett is hurt, he's kind of picked up a little bit. I mean, he's not Michael Bennett, nobody is, but without Demontre Moore. I don't know if we're quite as effective. John Schneider found another gem in the middle of the season that someone else didn't know how to use. And that amazes me every time that he keeps finding people and finding a way to fit them into the coaching staff and make them a contributor on our team. And yay, we got Trollmaine back. Really excited about Trollmaine coming back. Mm -hmm. But more than anything that the game against Buffalo, you could see that Russell's health was coming back. You could see the confidence and you can also see that, uh, I think the offensive line is starting to communicate better, starting, uh, you know, and this was, of course, that was, I think that was George's first start was against Buffalo. So, Back to, I'm, just, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Let's go all the way back to training camp. Do you know anyone that was uh, ranting and raving to have George Fant start at left tackle? Do you know anyone <laughs> who was doing
1: that? Oh, I I, and, I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm serious, though. When we were there and watching, I just, I had a idea of what it could be because he seemed so athletic and Now the fact that he's working with Walter Jones and being given game reps, I think, will make the biggest difference. Uh, One of the biggest things about George Fant, to me, is he's a clean slate. He doesn't have any bad habits from college because he wasn't playing offensive line in college. So Tom Cable basically has a really athletic lump of clay to – you know, teach that never was taught by anyone else. So everything that he's taking in from Tom Cable right now is, is the way to, you know, he has no other frame of reference for being taught in the past, bad habits, different habits, uh, different styles of play. So that's why I think he's been so effective along with his athletic ability. So moving forward, I think maybe we have the left tackle of the future. That's, you know, and to find an undrafted free agent left tackle at uh, you know, bargain basement prices again. You know, we have the cheapest offensive line. The the other thing I was talking about this week too, is you know who the most expensive offensive lineman on the Seattle Seahawks is? The guy who doesn't play at all, Jamarcus Webb. He's the one making the most money and he can't even see the field anymore. <laughs> He's he makes up over half of the budget for the offensive line. He makes more. Oh, really? Than probably three or yes, three or four of the guys combined. It's ridiculous, but it's you know that's where we are—the cheapest offensive line in the league. But it's starting to come together. So, did you have any other things that uh, you found? Impressive from that Monday night win,
1: man. I mean, I, I'm I'm at that place in my life where I'm like, I can't remember yesterday, let alone. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember. I mean, if you throw out highlights of what happened in that game, I can tell you. I I mean, it's it it was a nail biter again, right? Wasn't it? Isn't it all?
0: Yeah, it was or no. pretty close. It was pretty close. They had a chance. Uh, um and.
1: And here's the thing, I I go into these games and I just always trust that they are going to pull it out. They always have, they always will, I feel in my, I mean, more chances than not that they always will. Uh, I agree with Pete Carroll in his interview where he said that they may have been able to let loose on Russell earlier, but they were just being really protective of him. I mean, I really think that if they let things go um, earlier, that we would have won this, those, that that Saints game as well. Um, but I think they were just being super cautious with him, and rightfully so. I mean, that's your franchise quarterback. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited that finally we've moved back into having explosive plays, trusting that he's gonna um, throw these these darts that look amazing, and um, and that right. that. The playmakers are going to do what the playmakers are going to do. Can I, can I just shift our focus and, and, and talk real quick about someone who I had always believed in, but um, at the same time by, by, the, by this season I was already getting really frustrated with, and that is um, letting go of Michael. Because um, you know I've always been a supporter of Michael, right? I've been a big fan of Michael okay. from the get-go.
0: But let me just interject: This were you were you a supporter of the narrative or Michael? Did you were you more enamored with
1: the comeback story? Because I know that you really like. No, I always, Thunder I always Dogs believed he come- had the talent. I always believed okay. he had the talent. My problem with Michael though this season was was he, I I mean you could say it was a turf monster, but he needed to figure out why he was just tackling himself, there was so much yards lost because he just not right. go down by himself. Nobody, nobody's tackling you, dude. Like you could have – you have so much speed that you could already be halfway there. Um, I think there was a lot of frustration with – you know, I think he came in with focus after being let go. But uh, the problem with Michael sometimes is I felt like a little taste of success made him lack focus again. And the things that he right. needed to get in his mind and in order to be a great running back, not just when he's got the ball, but when he needs to do his part, it, I, I just feel like he was unfocused. He, he didn't he, – There's a different hunger that you see in Rawls. There's a different hunger that you see in Procise. There's a different hunger than you see in Pope. And someone had said it, I think it was Dave Wyman on on the show where he talked about there's people that love football and there's people that love being a football player and that he felt like Michael was the latter. And I can't help but say as much as I've loved Michael, I can't help but agree. There's a different hunger in the eyes of people that just love the game and they and another thing about michael that really disappointed me is the fact that he seemed to protect himself more than put his heart out on the line for that like do you see how size? oh, man, there was that one in this game with the New England Patriots right in the, 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 the edge of, of the field as he's running down to go try to get a, a touchdown. And, 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 there's, and he, the hit he puts on the guy just to try to, like, get a few more millimeters on there. I mean, I just, they, both Rawls and Procise, and, I mean, if given the chance Pope, I, I would suppo- suppose this would be the case too, are not afraid of contact. And are not afraid to get uh, – to put themselves in there to, to force some stuff. And, um, and I just feel like Michael just always just didn't do that. He was just over – I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with Michael sometimes. And it frustrated think, me because I know that there's so much talent there, so much talent. But talent's think not enough. I when
0: it comes to Michael, it comes down to vision more than anything.
1: Oh, that's another that thing. Game, oh, yes. He, no, he lacks patience,
0: too. He lacks <laughs> patience Scott. and vision. And I think that he he's too easily influenced. He's always seeking to make the big play. Always trying to uh, bounce or break things to make a, a huge splash play. Were rather than just take the two yards that are there, take the three yards that are there, um, he frustrated coaches by not uh, running in the holes that were designed where the play was supposed to go. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, it's always Darrell Bevell's fault when the running back runs the wrong way, right? It's always Tom Cable's coaching when the running back is deciding to try and bounce things out to make a huge play. And I think they – They got a little frustrated with his freelancing, if you will. And uh, when you look at the future at the running back position, the only question most people had is why was it Michael instead of Collins, right? Because people haven't seen much from Collins. Collins hasn't played that much. He hasn't really put that much on film. But I'll just ask you this question. Do you think that Kristen Michael on the sidelines as a third-string running back would be a distraction? Would he be a good teammate based off of what you've seen in the past? I think that Um, they decided for the chemistry of the team to move forward, bring a young man like Tremaine Pope in, And it's just much easier to have Pope as a third-string running back than watching a guy who's been removed from a starter position. I don't think he would have accepted that role very well.
1: I will say this, and I hate to say this. I really do. I will say that Michael is this year's Harvin. And what I mean by that is, yes, incredible, natural talent. But, yes, this team will choose chemistry over your talent. Because if you don't know how to be a team player, if you don't know how to sacrifice yourself a little bit, if you don't know how to do your part, that may not, you know, you might not get the spotlight as much, but you're doing your part to make this team a success, then, yes, they will choose somebody that doesn't seem to be as dynamic because Collins is not as dynamic to me. But he might be able to grow into that. Who knows? They care more about the character and the way you fit into this team. And like – like Bevel said, when, he was, when, when Bevel was loving Michael in the beginning of this season and he was giving him glowing reports, he, there was one thing that he said very clearly. Um, w- but he wasn't saying it in a, a threatening way at that time because he was glowing over Michael. But it was very telling at the same time. He said, we decided to give him one more chance. Yep. And I tell you, I think that he took that one chance, and they thought, "Oh, great, he's finally turned the corner." Right. But he didn't, and so that one chance. No, I is think gone. He,
0: I think that he he reverted to. I I would imagine he reverted to some of the behavior in the. In the locker room, that frustrated them before, and that also made them concerned. You know, he seemed more. You know, uh, I guess you said Dave Wyman said some people love playing football and some people love being a football player. I think he liked being a celebrity more than actually being a football player. Um, Mm. I think he enjoyed the the limelight of the of the game and the position. But you know, I think that he wanted it to come easy, and it, it. if you look at the Seattle Seahawks and the players that are on that team, there's not too many places on that roster where you saw that it all came easy. You know, they work for everything that they, that you know these these undrafted free agents, uh, lower round draft picks have worked hard uh, week in week out each year to get better and to get where they're at. So I I think. That in the long run we are better off with this move. Um, I wish all the luck in the world to uh, Kristen Michael in in Green Bay. I I appreciate the efforts that he gave us last year to help us because um, down the down the down the end of the season we needed a running back and he came in and gave us a lift. Um, and you know he's leaving the team as our leading rusher. So to get where we're at right now, he was a part of it. But, you know, sometimes – John Schneider makes the hard call, doesn't he? He makes the hard decision. And he makes the decision in favor of chemistry nine times out of ten. There's a a tipping point where I guess they can take so much. And when it takes away from the team to such a level that it becomes a detractor, he makes the decision and he never looks back.
1: And here's the thing, people can say, you know, he he's our leading, he's our leading rusher, yes, but it's obviously because he also got the ball more. Um, sure. And also, how many times would you say that his rushing numbers could have been far better? There were so many plays that could have gone far better, um, and he he didn't capitalize on it. In his effort to capitalize sure. on it, he didn't capitalize on it. Uh, there was a clip that they showed of of the New England game, and they said this is pretty much what summarizes um, Michael's performance oh, in Seattle. Yeah. And right. the, I, I, yeah. you know the clip, right? And it's so true, yes. because I remember watching it live and going, this is so Michael. Bam, bam, gets away, gets away, and then just falls on his own. I it mm-hmm. was such. It was so frustrating. I'm like, you oh, tell me that you like that. you tell me that that you 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 got away here here and here just to fall, just to yeah. fall. Come on, man. And so, do I? Am I thankful? Yeah. For break, Michael? Break three
0: tackles to trip over your own feet. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, everyone it, it. There was can,
1: other can, can, plays I, can, in
0: that game where, where like Russell. Russell would go one way, hand the ball to him, Michael would be in the wrong spot. So Russell had to turn and hand the ball to him. So it was totally a broken play, but yet he still got five yards. So do you give Kristen Michael credit for making something out of nothing? But do you but you also have to credit that um, he created the nothing because he was in the wrong place and running the wrong play. So you give him credit for you know getting a couple yards on a play that's
1: not, broken. Uh, if I gave him credit for that, then I would have to give credit to Andrew Luck, and I'm not ready to give <laughs> that credit to Andrew Luck. I'm sorry, oh I am not going to credit somebody yeah. for not for 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 fixing their own mistakes. I'm not going to give credit for that. Okay. Um. Well, I shouldn't say that because I give credit to Russell whenever something happens breaks down and he finds a way. But I don't know if that's necessarily that's always his fault. But um. But what I will Don't, say about this?
0: Oh, look, is, at you, look at you uh-huh. hating on one and making excuses for the
1: other. I know. I mean, and I fully own that. I'll take that. Okay. I, I, at least I'm not pretending. Um, what I will say this about Michael is obviously I am thankful for Michael, because when his mind was focused, when he was giving his all in that position, he really got us through very tough time in our sure in our season. So I don't want sure. anybody to misunderstand and make me and, and, and to think that I am not grateful for Michael and that I, I don't see the great talent that he has. I just wish that he took that talent and, and, and kept that focus all the way through this season. and I wish that he didn't feel threatened by other people's success or wanting to have when I think that he had a problem. When he found out Procy was going to get more touches that game, or was going to get opportunity, suddenly he has this injury that was. Oh, really? You have this injury? I didn't know. I mean, like I, I, I think, and I think the interviews with the coaches were telling, um, and and somebody had brought it up. Just the way that Pete Carroll answered questions about Michael, the writing was on the wall. Um, sure. You know, it's it, it, when they than, asked yeah. him, yeah. So it is what it is, and I think, you know, I'm ready to move on. Um, I'm glad that Michael has a place over in Green Bay, and and maybe he'll work better over there. Who knows? Um, I know that there's been a lot of talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers and just whether he's going to step up as a leader and his own frustrations and, um, you know. But the thing is, uh, Rodgers is known for, railing on people if he if if they are not in the position they're supposed to be in if they make a mistake so best believe that michael will be kept in check to some degree by by aaron Rodgers and people there if he's, he's he's trying to freelance any uh any of the any of the runs that he's trying to do so I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But I'm 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 ready to move on. I'm ready to see what ProSize does. I'm ready to see what Pope does. And I'm ready to see Rawls back. And, and I'm excited for Rawls to be back. Um, I am so hopefully. Yeah. So when More is, he, is he starting this week or next week or any Ooh. when and when is he back, Rawls? I well, he's back this
0: weekend. Yes. Uh, oh, yay! St- I don't believe he'll oh. start. I think they'll start with CJ. I think they'll be. A certain number of plays with, a, with maybe a, a note saying that if if he feels okay, if it looks like he's getting into a groove, that maybe there's more plays available to him. <clears throat> but I believe they'll ease him in. I hope they ease him in. I You know, you saw earlier in the season when he came back, he just seemed so excited to get back in there that, it looked a little like he was uh, maybe over trying.
1: Uh, mm, yeah. But
0: I think maybe if he just comes back and just just be yourself, and and he, you saw from the interview this week that he did, you can tell that he's really excited about finally uh, being able to get back out there with the with the fellas and being able to play this weekend. I think, you know, first of all, Philadelphia's a very good team. Um, we can talk a lot about that, but I think that Rawls is, you know, I don't think you can contain him much uh, emotionally this weekend. He's going to be super excited into this game until someone on the other side of the ball is going to be there on the receiving end of of that extra hit at the end of the run that he really loves to give out, dish out. So I'm really excited about what, uh, actually I'm looking forward to having uh, Pope Prosize and Rawls all together this weekend. I think that there's there's a good chance this weekend that Pope is also active and gets a couple of carries. So we might be able to see if it's if it was just fourth quarter preseason defenses that that Pope was uh getting positive yards at or Maybe there's something there, and, and the fans and the coaching staff were right in the beginning of the uh, preseason to bring him in. I think there's something – I think there's something uh, – I think his emotions fit into this team, and his narrative is perfect for another guy with a chip on his shoulder. So the three of them, I'm really excited to watch all three of them and how they – and post-sides, you know, all off season we heard about how he was a matchup problem, how he was going to be deployed and it was going to cause issues with uh, other teams' defenses. But we didn't get to see it come to fruition until uh, mostly last week. And then we get to see just exactly how difficult a piece he is. Um, He can beat both kinds of coverage, or both defenses uh, just based off of his abilities uh um, if they go dime he can, we can run him if they go nickel it, it's a it's a linebacker on a wide receiver and he's going to eat them for breakfast I think that today the Eagles primarily go uh, nickel and they don't play dime so that's going to put a linebacker i believe it's Nigel Bradham on pro-size all day, and he's not going to be able to keep up with him. size is a matchup problem, and i'm really excited for uh what's going forward. I believe he gets his first touchdown today.
1: I love just everything that he did in the New England game from his running to his receiving uh, uh, uh to, um to i mean it's just he he is very dynamic, and i didn't know necessarily that i i heard obviously, but he being injured, I never got to witness it until, really, that game to understand right. why they were so incredibly excited about him um, from the get-go. But you could hear it, so, though,
0: right? You could hear them. Oh,
1: I heard about in, it. I heard about in, it. interviews I just and stuff seen like
0: it. that, right? right? Yeah, I so heard they, about they it. Had, they had expressed quite a lot of, uh, um, you know, excitement about his, you know, potential uses, and you just, yeah, you're right, you couldn't see it. And and that in New England game was your first chance to see, oh, okay, now I I, kind of understand what they're talking about. Uh, So moving forward, it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. It'll definitely be fun. Um, You know, it's so funny. uh, People came into this game uh, underestimating, again, I don't know why. I don't know how many times they need to see this narrative or – see the Seattle Seahawks but to to expect so little from the Seattle Seahawks that mind you they may have still been under the mindset uh that you know Russell's injured or what not I don't know exactly but just to see the belief in the majority of the people that New England was going to wipe the floor with the, the Seahawks and and they weren't going to perform well and, and mind you maybe part of it also was the poor performance for a while by the defense and when I say poor performance I mean it's not like they were scrubs but it just wasn't to the level that they had seen from um, the defense in the past so I don't know if it was a mix of those things that caused people to feel like they weren't going to perform but it's I, this team has never been blown out in a really long time so
0: Let me I have a hard a time question. believing that did the did the um did the build up to last sunday night's game not feel a little like uh before the super bowl that that nobody you know all the pundits and everything were already you know chalking this up as a as a win for the best offense in the league or whatever versus you know that there was kind of a foregone conclusion that New England was going to win the games, kind of similar to the way it felt. Everyone thought when Seattle played Denver in the Super Bowl, um, it was just very similar to me. The, the the build up to the game, you know, it didn't play out like the Super Bowl, but but it played out like the other one <laughs> and, until the end, which is yeah. I mean, ha, if, if you're a conspiracy conspiracy theorists I mean, how do you get them to play a game together on Sunday night and it come down to to two yards again on the goal line it's it's <laughs> I don't know how you i don't know how you can script that, but if they did, that was a wonderful job.
1: Well, I will tell you this um i I almost wanted to rip my ears out though um when they kept repeat like when the announcers oh, yeah. kept repeating the same line over and over again, Cab coming back we'll to that one-yard line and all this, yada, yada. <laughs> I was like, are, yeah. can we move beyond this? I mean, how many times? You know, it's kind of an interesting thing where uh, somebody had said, you know, Patriot fans are like, oh, deflate gate, get over it, it's over, it's long ago, and all that stuff, like a year ago, whatever. And yet loves to rehash that one-yard line over and over and over and over again. Uh, Here's the thing, you know, people made jokes afterwards about how people questioned why didn't they just run it in. Um, And what I love about this team is just that they never give up. They just never give up. You know how there's teams you watch, and you automatically see their brain shut off. And they already concede to a loss. And never with this team. And that's what I love about this team. They don't concede a loss. They don't say, oh, it's not going to happen. So why why try? Uh, They believe that they they can defend that.
0: they use the cliche to defend every blade of grass, but yep. yet when you go out there and look at at their performance in the game, it's an actuality that that is exactly what they feel and what they're trying to do. There's so many times in the Seahawks history with this group of men that they've come up with that play with that last blade of grass in front of them, so uh, they they – Continually believe that they can get it done. They will not turn off and just concede a touchdown just because you know they're going to try and make a play, whether it be block a field goal kick or, or they don't concede I mean, even that play with Richard Sherman, it was that they went to block the kick, so you know they wouldn't even concede that three points. And in the end, it works. So, hey, you know, they continually fight to that last blade of grass. And it's not just a cliche for them.
1: Absolutely. And uh, that's what I mean, that's what I love about this team. Um, Mentally, this is a mentally strong team. And I think they don't, if you're not mentally strong, you don't stay in this team very long. Um,
0: Uh, Yeah, I can get that. There is a lot of alpha males in that locker room, but and but they're alpha males that require you to be a part of the team. Mhm, um, mhm.
1: Well, that's, cannot... that's that's what makes you stronger. Anybody right. can can puff up their 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 chest and be like, I'm the man. But it takes a bigger man to understand how he fits in a team and can concede right. the, the the necessary. How it's necessary to work as a team to bring about the success of the team. Um, it, sure. it takes less of a man to to be all about you. It's it, it takes a bigger man to n- know it's not all about you.
0: <clears throat> exactly. So, uh, you know, looking back, that was a great win in New England. Um, t- just so many things stacked against you. Um, short week. Uh, travel across the country, uh, on the road in prime time. In, uh, I want to quick make a comment. Did you notice how quiet? Oh yes, uh, Gillette Stadium was. Yeah. Even before a, the game was, I was over, surprised. or getting towards the end. You um, know, and, and I don't mean to disparage other fan bases, but the difference between that stadium atmosphere and the CenturyLink Field is so huge. I cannot believe it. You know, you know it it comes to mind to me that maybe they're entitled that they're used to winning that they don't feel a responsibility that uh to you know I guess Seahawks fans think that they're making an impact. We think we're helping, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're not so used to winning that that we we don't still not want to be a part of it. I mean, because the, the noise level in CenturyLink compared to that Sunday night football game, a rematch between Super Bowl teams, and that crowd was docile. It was quiet. It was, you know, I, I'm sure you could just probably look at people checking their phones and, and eating pretzels and cheese. It was so quiet.
1: Yeah, no, I did notice that. I and I and I had said, "Why is it so quiet?" I mean, because well, I didn't say it verbally, but I thought it in my head. Um, and maybe I we are uh, we are blessed uh, in Seattle to have such a fired up fan base. At the same time, though, we did go through a portion of time where. There was some concern that we had become laxadaisical and complacent sure. and believed that we were just going to win and didn't feel the need to be as loud as had been in the past. I think those well, I days think are yes. gone i think I think it's back to the uh, back to people feeling that fire, and I think that's why sometimes having some adversity and having some failures and all things of those nature brings back to reality for people a reminder that hey, it's not simple to stay at top uh, in the NFL and that you every year is a new year and so you got to keep fighting um, right every year more than anything so, yeah so yeah
0: um, um, so was there anything from last week's Sunday night game that 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 you thought maybe uh, I don't know anything Did you any negative things that you were uh, observing or that
1: you well. well before well, I answer I know there's your question, a negative,
0: Huh?
1: Before I answer Did your you question, say? there's two things that I want to say before I answer your question. The okay. first thing is I I absolutely loved uh, listening to, um, Bill Belichick talk about Russell Wilson. Um, okay. And the reason I loved it was because I, I you could actually genuinely feel affection from him. Um, right. There was. So much respect oozing out of Bill Belichick for Russell Wilson. And that whether people like Bill Belichick or not, he's respected. And when a man respects a quarterback to the level that he respects Russell Wilson and how evident it was in that interview, I can't help but just go, you know, I love that. I love that he he does not minimize our quarterback, that he recognized just how special he is. Um, sure. The other the other piece of it was just I love the interaction between Earl Thomas and Rob Rob Gronkowski afterwards after that injury um, and just Gronk not being a, a whiner as, as some people can be or right. uh, that he gave Earl Thomas the props necessary and Earl being like I hope you know you 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 get well soon kind of situation I like that mutual respect aspect. I think that these are two teams that are incredibly hated within the league because they are so successful. But because they're both successful, I think that they've learned a high level of uh respect for each other and their game and how they bring it um when these sure. th- these games come. Um you know, well, and I it's, think, I think I it's think also
0: uh, that, that both teams realize there's a really good chance they may see each other later again this year. So, I mean, you know, when you play a game, a competition against, uh, an opponent at the highest level, there's, you know, the, the respect that both teams have earned from each other is, it's apparent. Um, you know, Pete Carroll respects the way that Bill Belichick prepares and Belichick in return, uh, They both realize that they're both model franchises. They have done things slightly different, but they have uh, created a formula together that seems to have success, and both of them recognize the hard work it takes not only to implement that formula, but, they, you know, it's it's hard to win year in and year out in the National Football League. And both of these coaching staffs, and the uh, general managers and 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 the the franchises themselves have become model franchises. And to respect each other, first of all, they probably don't want to give each other but bulls and board material. But yeah, I I believe there's teams that the Seattle Seahawks coaches and players respect more than others. I'm not going to name names, but you know there are teams in our division that probably don't get the same level of respect from our players and our coaching staff as the New England Patriots do.
1: Uh, I absolutely agree. So uh, let me say one more thing, and then I'll answer your question. The other thing is I love that Shed got the first interception on Tom Brady of this season, and I was not surprised that the first interception that Tom Brady was going to throw this season came in a Seahawks game. Okay, so to answer your question of what sucked, um, I love him, but curse. I I don't Thank curse, you. but I almost wanted you know, to curse.
0: This, this, is, this is a – I tried to – I think I tried to tee that up for you because you and I both have been uh, forever team curse. Uh, we, we've always supported um, the performance that Jermaine puts on the field. Week in and week out, both of us consider him unappreciated or underappreciated, but you nailed it. Um, That was probably one of the worst games he's ever played, other than maybe the first half of the Green Bay uh, uh, NFC championship game where everything was bouncing off of him and getting intercepted.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, it was frustrating. But first of all, I a part of me goes, why are you, keep, why do you keep targeting him, Russell? Like, what is there? But at other times, it was just he should have got, he should have kept that. The one that gets me is that I think he was trying too hard. He ha- he got the ball, but he lost it when yeah, he the was catch, attempting reach to for the get goal line. It. Yes, like, like just, just go down, curse. Just Just go down. Catch
0: first, please. Yeah. Um, Jermaine.
1: Jermaine had probably
0: the worst game I've. The worst game I've seen him play this year. Um, There were contributions by Jermaine in the second half that people may overlook, but I can't just sit here and say, "Well, it's not that they overlooked it; it just wasn't enough to
1: make up for it."
0: I know. I could sit here and say, "Well, he's a really good blocker in the second half," and. That makes up that doesn't make up for the f- probably fourteen points that we lost
1: Uh probably absolutely i shouldn't i mean I shouldn't count points where it's not there, but it there was potential for fourteen very easily. You saw how the rest yes. of the game went. it absolutely right. died. He was a momentum killer, and it killed me inside as someone who's always defended him
0: right. So that being said moving forward he's going to have a better game this week. But I still think that yeah and and the people people always do uh, get a little upset in the red zone when they don't throw the ball to Jimmy. You see it on Twitter every time. But I understand that every other team knows that want to throw the ball to Jimmy as well. And so he's getting double coverage inside the red zone. The reason that Doug Baldwin got three touchdowns last week is because two people were guarding or playing defense versus Jimmy all game long in the red zone. So as a result of whatever they do with Jimmy Graham, other players have to step up and capitalize. Doug Baldwin capitalized. Jermaine Curse did not. Um, call my man out uh, when I have to. I'll be honest doesn't mean I want him off the team. I don't think there's right now a better option. Uh, yeah, I like Tanner McAvoy and I like Paul Richardson, but I still think that Jermaine has a comfort level with Russell that neither one of those have. So um, they know each other very well, and that's kind of why they play so well together. But But moving forward, I could see Jermaine losing a few snaps to other players if he continues to not be consistent.
1: Yeah. I will say this, too. Um, It was nice to see um, that people were getting healthy. Not only Russell, but just Tyler Lockett uh, looked good. Um, And back, right? Yeah.
0: Back to his same. And even with. uh, Even with the returns, it seems like he was being much more decisive on punt returns or kick returns. And and instead of dancing, kind of just picking it up, getting up to speed and going. So moving forward, I think Tyler's going to start making a much bigger impact because of the attention that Doug and Jimmy are going to start getting. I believe that you'll see what we want. I, I would imagine five to six touchdowns before Tyler Lockett before the end of the season, I would put somewhere around there, but, um, I I'd say he's probably going to average five to six, um, receptions a game. If not some, some games he may have more, Uh, but uh, he's easily going to get six touchdowns before the end of the season.
1: Oh, I can believe it. I can definitely believe it. Um, what else can we say about that game? Um, well, I I, don't, I, I I liked it. I mean, I, I definitely thought it was gonna be a Seahawks win. I didn't think when people thought that I, it was, uh, a, it was just a homer pick. No, I just know what this team is capable of. And I, no team that the, this team goes up against intimidates me. I don't, I think that every single team, when the Seahawks played the C- Seahawks way, and they're at the best that they can possibly be, I don't think we're beatable at all. Um, obviously, we have been beaten, but I-, I haven't felt like those games that we lost were ones where where we could yeah, have won I, it. I find myself looking back
0: to those games now. Now I understand that when looking back, you can look back to the games you won as well and find a way. To uh, change the outcome, but when you look back now, it we're, were you know two losses and a tie, and so many occasions in all three of those losses where okay, you take those away, and all of a sudden we're undefeated, right? Yeah. You,
1: yeah. Just, no, just I mean me,
0: just give just give me Russell Wilson with the health that he had against Buffalo. Uh, or the health that he had against New England, and the outcome of all three of those games is different, right? You don't have to go to Los Angeles with a with a with a high ankle sprain that usually puts you know, people out for two, three, four weeks. You don't have to play a game. Um, well, a healthy a healthier Russell Wilson in New Orleans and you find a way to overcome that. Actually you bring in a healthy cam and maybe a Michael Bennett and you win that game in, in New Orleans. So, and then the Arizona game, if, if, if Russell could just make one more play, right. Oh yeah. And then you're undefeated, but, but, you know, looking back is looking back. It's easier to look forward and, Right now, it's it's kind of a race between the Cowboys, which is surprising, but uh, it's a race between the Cowboys and the Seahawks. It's almost a
1: foregone conclusion that the Seahawks are in the playoffs. Uh, can we can sitting... we can we use that as the segue? I really want to talk about this real quick. Um, talk about Romo's concession speech. Oh, we can talk about that. Um, you know, sure. You could feel the pain. I mean, understandably so. You know, I, I even as much as I've joked all the, from the beginning, oh, he's going to be blood sewed, you know, it, he's still a human being, and it's still really heartbreaking um, when you know that your time with this particular organization may be coming to a close. It, de- it depends. I don't know. It's not. I'm not officially saying it's over for Romo because you don't know what else is going to happen the rest of the season. You okay. don't know if he may be necess- right. He may be needed. You don't know if Dak is going to be uh, healthy all the way through. You don't know if he's going to struggle through some stuff and how much, of, how long of a leash they're giving him. Nobody really knows. But though, if 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 he gets traded and he goes to Denver, the Denver Broncos, I can see that happening. I, I, I feel like um, that's a really strong potential if that happens. But I will tell you, I I think that, you know, he's handling it the best that he possibly can. And to be able to speak to, to people and just be honest and be raw about the realities that it's not because he doesn't want to play, obviously, that anybody who's been out there on the field knows that you're hungry to play. Um, but respecting and understanding what the situation is and caring more about this team. And he has no choice, obviously, but to care more about this team. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. What did you think about his concession speech? Um,
0: you know, very classy. Um, I think that it was very – it has to be very difficult. I have hauled Tony Romo's a great player, but, you know, sometimes a little overhyped, a little overrated, if you will, because, you know, he's played a lot of football games, but he's won one playoff game in his career. So, you know, when you measure the legacy of football players, it's usually measured in significant games, like playoff games and 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 championships. So Tony Romo's uh excellence is measured in statistics and not uh playoff wins and championships. So I mean yeah. it's really hard when I mean it was hard I'm sure it was hard for Matt Hasselbeck to leave Seattle. I mean when the oh, end yeah. comes with, there's always going to be that relationship between a city and a fan base and its quarterback. And to, I mean, you, know, you saw it when Peyton Manning left uh, Indianapolis. It's hard yeah. for someone to realize. And first of all, you you got a young man like Tony Romo. All his life he's been the guy. He's been quarterback uh, of a football team for, since high school. And now you see the impending end of all of that. It's hard on a, a man to see that and see it happening in front of him. And then to also, no, you, you as a good teammate have to celebrate the success of a young man who's taking your job. That That, that is the dynamic of football that, you know, it's hard for us to understand, but you have to stand there on the sidelines and be happy for the man who is taking your job away from you and taking away everything you love. And you have to be a good teammate. That's really hard to do. He's done it. That's the makings of a
1: a great man though. Um, Sure. um, In the sense of, of respecting what it is for what it is right now. Now this this game, there's, there's two things in this game that's that's record or history making, right? You you've got Dak who, if he can throw another two touchdowns um, in this game, matches you know Marino and Russell Wilson with the most uh-huh. uh, with the longest streak of two plus touchdowns in a rookie year, and so okay. that would be huge for for Dak if it had happened on a personal level, but on a bigger level is that real, the, the reality that um, the Cowboys have never beaten the Ravens. And if they can beat the Ravens, and that is the pick that I have for this week, um, that will be the first time in their, their franchise it, history. Yeah, okay.
0: Um, oh, so we're going to get to this point. Now we're going to get to this point in Dak Prescott's career for Seattle Seahawks fans, okay? So now everyone's going to pull out their Russell Wilson almanac and keep reviewing all the rookie year uh achievements and and records that that, that are going to be Dak Prescott's measuring, measuring sticks as he knocks them down one at a time or whatever. So is Dak Prescott's rookie season becoming competition for what Andrew and Russell went through in their first season is it? Are we building a case that 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 the Russell Wilson supporters were now turned uh, to judging Dak Prescott and his accomplishments? It'll be interesting because I think that could be a great uh, it could be a great rivalry moving forward. I see a lot in what Dallas is doing. Is if you don't pay attention but Dallas the Dallas Cowboys have been trying to mimic or trying to install some of the ideas that the Seattle Seahawks have been doing for the last two or three seasons. They're moving towards that. And it would not surprise me if they moved on from Tony Romo next year, even though it's going to cost them a lot of money. But they're going to move on from Tony Romo and possibly Des Bryant. Continue to try and build a team very similar to what the Seahawks are doing. They want to take, I bet you in the future, they want to take the money that they'll save from Tony Romo's contract and Dez Bryant's contract and build a defense to go with that offensive line to have that same formula that Seattle has for winning. The Dallas Cowboys are copying what the Seattle Seahawks have done for the last four or five years, trying to become a a balanced run team, power run team. The only, the only difference is that Dallas Cowboys' offensive line is a little bit better than
1: ours. (laughs) Well, I will say this. Just just a little. I I will say this. Um, You know, Sam, uh, one of the biggest uh, Russell Wilson fans on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. I mean, he has said himself, okay now, Dak, you're starting to threaten my quarterbacks. Records, so yes, he's right. he's he's definitely he's definitely watching that. Um, the other part of it is um, I had brought this up to my friends, and I said, "Hey, is this the first time that we have as many black quarterbacks playing at one time ever?" Um oh, yeah, and I so, think,
0: Well, I think I think you can make that judgment moving forward. Almost every year now,
1: I think the the, the
0: balance of of ethnicities playing that that position is going to continue to shift. Um, there will well, be a time. Well, it's only
1: black and white as future. far as I see. Isn't well, there, it for the uh, most part? Oh, oh, yes. What other races are there I'm, I'm that has been presented them. as a quarterback recently?
0: Um, I'm not sure, but there's there's got to be some, some Asian quarterbacks in, in, the,
1: Where? in the NCAA. Where? Please show so that. I don't
0: know. I didn't do my research, but there's,
1: there's yeah, maybe one or two. there is none, none that I can right, think so, of, unless you're but, talking about like one forward, tenth of a percentage forward, of somebody's blood. You're going blood.
0: to find that the percentage is going to increase every year. I think in the end,
1: hopefully, you may
0: see it 75-25. Um, but the, you're probably right. This is probably the most black quarterbacks
1: uh, playing. I think there's five. It could starting, have been six if Teddy Bridgewater was um was healthy. I think injured. it's it's yeah. it's five for right now. I'm pretty sure. There's Dak. There's Russell. I mean, You look at the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Well, let me know. Seattle I mean, what, we, but what I'm talking about had, just uh, starters. I know, but you're just it, talking it, about starters. Year,
0: the Seahawks are, had three, uh, uh, you know, three black quarterbacks on the team. So
1: yeah. But I'm just speaking of, of of starters right now. We've got Dak, we've right. got Cam, we've got Russell, we've got uh, uh, well, Colin you Kaepernick. Just, um, you can just look to uh, Tyrod Taylor. And oh, I think I forgot Tyrod Taylor. So there's another person. I think I'm thinking of, or oh, maybe I did include Tyrod Taylor, because I believe there's five playing right now. Um, is there someone else I'm forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting someone else. Uh, Would have been six we'll if just... it was Teddy Bridgewater if he was right. well. Um oh, maybe maybe it, it, those are the five that I was thinking of. Yeah. So yeah. So you got Cam, it's you
0: got Jameis, you got Russell, you got Oh Jameis, that's what Rod. that's
1: what it is. He is the sixth one, Jameis. The sixth. Yeah. Okay. So sixth so six one. I forgot about Tyrod when I was was putting out the well, well when you started the, the
0: season you had R G too. You know, uh, yeah, Griffin as that well, was but, very
1: short-lived. You blinked and you missed I, I don't it. Think, I don't think anyone
0: would consider Robert Griffin a starter-level quarterback anymore. It's kind it's of a – it's a just sad, not
1: going What a sad, sad I, ending to what could have been a great career. Sure. So sad. I'm sure. I'm
0: sure he can afford a good quality living, but it is sad. Yeah, but it, you know what? It,
1: when you're hungry as a competitor – Sure You know, it's not about the money it, it, I mean, yeah, it's great, you have the money But, I mean, even with Romo, right? It's like, oh, he's going to be fine financially It's like, that's not the point These guys hunger to play And yeah. you're almost cutting I mean, out their souls a little bit Okay,
0: so one of the things I am looking at Okay, I did, while we were talking I, I quick looked up uh, Tony Romo's contract details Mm-hmm. So if he leaves, let's say they cut him this year, it costs them $31 million to cut him, dead money. Um, so even if they cut him next year, that's $19 million. Oh, by the way, 2018, you still owe him $8.9 million. Oh, by the way, and finally, you get Tony Romo to clear the books in 2019 with $3.2 million. So if you add all of that, that's how much money is still going to come Tony Romo's way when he finishes with the Dallas Cowboys. So I think that he goes to play for somebody next year. And this speculation, we talked to, I talked with some friends this week about where is a good landing spot. But it, regardless of that, Dallas is still going to have to pay the bill for four years because they pushed their contract situation, they pushed the Tony Romo contract forward, forward, <coughs> forward in order to, in order to uh, be able to sign other players. So they've created, you know, they will have four years of Dak Prescott on a really cheap rookie salary. Well, they've kind of ruined it by still having to pay Tony Romo for four more years on top of that. So the savings that that the Seahawks got to experience by having Russell Wilson become a starter. Uh, I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to get that same benefit because of the way they've handled their, their contracts and their cap moving forward. Uh, I believe new Orleans is the same problem with true breeze. They've been pushing the push. They've been pushing, they've been paying minimum payments on that, uh, Credit card for a while, and when it comes due, they're going to be surprised.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I don't know (laughs) what to say. (laughs) I distract. I don't know what to say. All right. Well, well, part of it was I was coughing really badly, and so I had to mute myself because I was just having such a coughing attack. But um, let's
0: talk about prognostication.
1: It seems
0: that, well, I don't know. what week are we in? We're in week 11 of uh, the professional football season. And who seems to be the number one person in our Pick'em group uh, being ranked in the 90, what, 98th percentile? And this is thousands and thousands and thousands of entries on ESPN. So... To still be in the 98th percentile and leading our group is none other than Phoebe, our fabulous host, keeps beating everybody uh, week in and week out, and now really starting to get uh, wrapped up into it, I think.
1: Um, <laughs> I can't help it, you know. I am, yeah. I am in that place where I am very feeling very competitive about it. It's hard yeah. um, because um, this week is full of potential upsets. That I'm, sure I'm making some decisions that I'm like, I gotta just go with my gut because that's the best thing I can do. Um, if I don't go with my gut, I'll regret it. And so, I, I have. Some I will say that I have been excited to see how much my number has moved up over the time. You know, when we started, I don't remember where I was, but I uh, remember. But now, right now, I'm in the f- uh, 14K. You are in ranking. the lead. No, no, uh, I meant like in in general. They said I'm fourteen in fourteen k. Like last week, I was like in twenty or nineteen k. So, right,
0: so there's only what maybe fourteen thousand people ahead of you. Is that what yes. they're saying?
1: yeah uh, that's really amazing. Yeah, that is amazing to it's, me. Um, like I, I'm like wow. That's that's exciting. It's really good.
0: It's a really good consistency. Um, you, you, we. I think you and I both had a bad first week, and yeah. I think we were down. We may have been down on, in that first week uh, in the 60th percentile, um, and we've kind of you know, got a rhythm. Well, actually, no, I had a good start. But we've I well, got here's a the rhythm. here's the
1: thing: the number one the number one person uh, has 105 picks correct. Right. I have 91. Yeah. So That's I am good. what. I am... 16? Oh, let's see. What is that? That's equal to... Um, 16 or 14? Uh, 16. Yeah. No. No, well, is that We could do math. No, 14, 14, 14. 14, you're right. Look at 14. us doing math. Yeah, so yeah. I'm 14, 14, away. And it, just if this guy or girl continues to make some bad choices, let me see what this person has well, obviously I can't see because you can't see. But I'm going to check this person out for, for a while, cause, okay? Because I just want to see. Okay, so the, the top five are, well, technically there's, it, it, they tie for fourth. So they have 105, 104, 103, and 102. So sure. I, 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 I'm, I'm like trying to like inch up there, but I don't know if I'll fall behind this week because again. Um, you know, we've got like less than 30 minutes of, of this podcast left, but I have, go ahead. Yeah, I have, this is a tough one and it's going to be interesting to see what you have because let's go, let's go, let's start it off. Where where are you at? Um, who do you have? First
0: first of all, Uh, let's go go on
1: the list on that. All
0: right. Uh, I'm going down the list for the picks this week and I have my pickup, uh, right now. So I'm Oh, I'm going to have to log back in. But Well, okay, I'll go I'll start off. The, no, if, if, I believe if, it's uh Buffalo versus Cincinnati is the first one on the uh Yes. on the docket, right? And Correct. so who do you have for that week? Who did you pick?
1: Okay, this is, I think I'm going to, this is one where I think I might lose, (laughs) but I just have to put it and um, uh, take a loss, because I just got to go with my gut. I I went with the Bills.
0: I also went with the Bills. Um, I don't think you're you're as far off as as you think you are. Um, I watched the Bengals play last weekend. Um, they It didn't look that good to me. Um, I think that the Bills well, Bills were on a bye last week, first of all. I thought that the Bills were uh, I think they found something against uh, the Seahawks. They played really well. So I, I'm not too far off in, in thinking that's a good pick. So I'm following along. Okay, then. See, that's the problem we're having right now is you and I are starting to think a lot alike. Um, we may be making decisions based on a little, you know, whatever, something different. But your gut seems to agree with my uh, like my analysis, if you will. But I'm kind of going with my gut as well. I mean, there's only so much you can Prepare each – you know, sometimes it seems like the more you prepare, you outthink yourself when making pace, Absolutely. Right? I think that's what comes most down to, people do. I got a feeling. And sometimes mm-hmm. the feeling is right. And and your first – was a lot of the times, I don't know if you've ever gone back and changed, uh, like, right before kickoff. I've done that with a couple things a couple times. And, you know, it, nothing worse than going back right before kickoff and wavering in your picks and then finding out you had it picked right in the first place. That's the worst. Mm -hmm. So I chose the Buffalo Bills as well. I mean, the Bills are four and five, Cincinnati is three, five, and one. They didn't show me anything last week other than all they can do is throw it to A.J. Green. Um, I like the way the Bills are running the ball. I think they can win this game uh, on the road. I think the next game is a slam dunk. I think that you and I will probably have the exact same, Pick the Chicago Bears will be on the road, uh, going to MetLife Stadium, and uh, I think the team has given up on Jay Cutler and the situation there. It's I, it, Chicago right now is not a functional football team. I I would would not be surprised if John Fox was fired at the end of the season. There's something wrong there. I think they may clean house in the off season. And get rid of the quarterback and maybe some of the higher-paid uh, free agents and and guys like Alshon Jeffrey won't probably won't be there next year, so I'm taking the Giants at home to move to seven and three. Now let's not forget about what the Giants are doing now. That puts them at seven and three.
1: Yeah, I I have them going to seven and three. Uh, I have them winning this game. Um, I mean, maybe the Bears are going to do better than people think in this game, but I still think the Gi- Giants pulled us out. Yep.
0: I think the next one, the next game seems to be a slam dunk for me, too. Uh, there's just no way I'm picking the Cleveland Browns to win a game. I, we, you and I took our chance when the Cleveland Browns played the New York Jets. I thought it was their best chance to get a win for the year. I, I think that you felt the same. Not really trying I did. to speak for you, but but we both. No, but it's true. Uh, that
1: was probably the best picked shot them I to saw. win that
0: game, and they had a chance, and they found a way in the fourth quarter to surrender a lead, which they've done three or four times this year. They just don't seem to know how to win yet. I like what Hugh Jackson is doing as a coach, but right now it just doesn't seem he has the quarterback in order to get it done. Um, I'm sure that they're really uh, regretting their choice to take draft picks over Carson Wentz. Um, But, you know, looking forward, we'll see who they pick up at. I I tell you what, if I'm Tony Romo, I'm not going to Cleveland. Because, uh, you know, look at at how quarterbacks survive. As good as that supposed Joe Thomas and, and that offensive line is supposed to be, you look at the sack numbers and how many quarterbacks they're going through with injuries. That is not a destination mm-hmm. an older quarterback with health issues would, uh,
1: would relish. No. So I'm That's why I Steelers say Broncos makes the road. most sense for him. Absolutely. Same deal. Um,
0: if it, if it's not, the, here's my quick list of places that he could go uh, and probably have success. Denver, probably on the top. Um, Arizona is also a, a candidate for me. And the New York Jets is also a candidate. Other than that, actually, Houston is another one that came up yesterday uh, to start above (laughs) poor Brock Osweiler. Someone come in, some old quarterback. Tell me if you've heard this story before, old quarterback trying to get his last chance at glory, comes in and takes your job away from you. Hi, Brock Osweiler. My name's Tony Romo, and I'm here to be. uh, I'm here to compete for a job. So I'm sure he'd be
1: thrilled by that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure he would. He'd probably put his take his helmet back off and go sit back down again, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) that 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 video footage always. I mean, crack not cracked me up, but but
0: honestly, if if Tony Romo shows up, that's the same situation. It basically. Whether he has to do it or not, he metaphorically An injured now,
1: so. old quarterback trying yep, to make a comeback. to
0: take my job. All right, so did you uh, by chance step out on the limb and select the Cleveland Browns?
1: Uh, No, I chose the Steelers. No,
0: took the Steelers <laughs> on the road. All right, so. I
1: mean, yeah, no. Let's talk
0: about this game because you brought up something I wasn't aware of. The Dallas Cowboys are at home to face the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are 5-4. and four. Um, Just It seemed, seemed to me like a team that I don't know that much about, that uh, there's not a lot of talk about. Um, play good defense. Uh, I really like uh, one of their running backs they brought in, Kenneth Dixon, one of the guys I thought maybe the Seahawks were interested in. But other than that, they really not haven't impressed me too much. And Joe Flacco not playing quite as well as he did maybe two, three years ago to me. Um, I've taken the Cowboys at home, and the Cowboys are going to 8-1. And, and 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 when you start looking at the Cowboys' schedule, it's hard to find losses. It's hard to find games that you're going to talk yourself into Um, making a pick that Dallas is going to lose. Almost ready. I'm not going to surrender, but I'm almost ready to to say that the Dallas Cowboys are, are going to be the number one seed in the NFC. I think that they're going to get home field advantage all the way through the playoffs. I think if the Seattle Seahawks are going to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to win one game in Dallas.
1: Well, I have the cow- Cowboys winning uh, this game as well, um, despite their history with Jeez. the Ravens. Um,
0: I'm going to have to convince you now- to change one of your picks, it seems like.
1: <laughs> now, if, if, the Ravens, uh, if the Ravens end up winning this game, it will definitely be like the monkey that they can't get off their back. But, right. but I think this is the monkey yeah, that but- they will get off their back today.
0: If they couldn't win this game, it's a monkey on their back, but a monkey they won't see for the rest of the season again. I don't think they'd see that, that monkey in the playoffs. I don't think mm-hmm. it'd be a big deal. It's kind of an insignificant monkey, if you will. Um, yeah, they'd be 8-2 and, and still the number one seed. So, And for you and my purposes, if the Ravens beat the Cowboys, who do you think picks the Ravens in our group? Who do I think? Only the people that are only the people that are twenty five picks behind maybe. I don't know. People trying to <laughs> you know and once you get into that mode in the pick 'em league, you're in trouble. If you're trying to pick upsets because you know that the consensus will be with the favorite or, or then you're in trouble. <laughs> There's a reason you're at the bottom of the pick 'em list.
1: You can't lead from the bottom.
0: That's right, it's hard. Um so all right, so this this to me was a tougher decision than it should have been, but I'm not taking the Jacksonville Jaguars to beat anyone. <coughs> um, I have picked them a couple times this season. I'm sorry, but I think that something's wrong coaching-wise, connecting with the players. They have talent, and they can't seem to find a way to win. I'm taking Detroit to win at home. Um, I don't like the body language and, and the performance lately of, of Blake Bortles. And I just don't see a lot of fire from the Jaguars team. It's, it's kind of sad because I think this is Gus's last chance. And, uh, I don't think it's going to work out.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think this is his last chance. Um, you know, with the Jaguars, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame right. on you. I just, I, I can't be fooled anymore. And um, obviously, maybe the game that they go, ha ha, you should have still believed in us. But I, I chose the Lions.
0: All right, so I'm looking at the rest of these picks, and I have a bad feeling that you and I are lockstep all the way through
1: I don't the think entire so. weekend.
0: You don't think so? I don't think think so.
1: Who do you got for the next one?
0: So, I'm not, you would think that I would take the Colts at home just to be contrary because I know you won't choose the Colts. Um, but I think I spoke about this earlier. Tennessee is my pick to win this division, and I think they have to win this game on the road against the Colts in order to do so. Um, you know, Tennessee keeps fooling me into thinking, okay, they're becoming a better team, and then then they would trip and fall. And this is this is kind of a weekend where they would trip and fall. You got the Colts coming off a bye, so, but I'm still taking Tennessee to win this game. I like the way they're running the ball.
1: All right. Um, obviously, I chose the Tennessee Titans. Come on, man. <laughs> Obviously, the
0: hater in you will not let you. All right, so the next game, I'm pick up the pace a little bit. Tampa goes to Kansas City. So Kansas City is surprisingly and quietly a seven and two team. Uh, one of the other contenders in the AFC, if you will. Um, now it seems like the AFC has. I think every team in the NFL right now has flaws. Uh, Kansas City is a little flawed. Uh, but they do run the ball and they play good defense. So I'm taking Kansas City to win at home over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: This Tampa's is where,
0: our opponent for next week, too. Go ahead.
1: This is where I chose something different from you.
0: Really? I chose the
1: Buccaneers. Yeah, I chose the Buccaneers and, and the main reason is because of just all the injuries that is with the, the Chiefs this week. Um, okay. You know, with Macklin out and with Peters out, and I just I just think that there's a chance that, that the buccaneers can capitalize over an injured team, so that's why I'm choosing the buccaneers.
0: That's a bold choice. Um, I would call it foolish even, but we will see all right, so we do have one difference, so that could that could be the one that i can make up space on, make up one slot to to catch up. Um, but let's see Arizona going to Minnesota uh, Arizona 4-4-1 and Minnesota 5-4 and in a free fall uh, Minnesota lost another offensive lineman last week. I don't like that at all. Chandler Jones and uh, Marcus Golden are going to have a day Give me the Cardinals on the road over the Vikings
1: Here's another one where we're different on. I did choose oh. I did choose the Vikings. Um, As silly as it sounds, they have a new kicker. And (laughs) I'm not going to say kickers make it or break it, but I feel like this team needed a morale boost that had to do with a personnel change. As silly as it may sound that I'm saying a kicker makes a difference, of this magnitude enough for me, I, I actually do. And I will be choosing this is, the Vikings. This is
0: ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I'm moving on. All right, so moving forward. You'll, until you uh, see In me. Los Angeles. Huh? <laughs> All right, you can call me. Please call me out on Twitter if you are proven to be correct. But I'm just going to tweet, I told you so, <laughs> when uh, the Cardinals really – put a whack down on the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So Miami is going to Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know if you've seen for the last couple weeks, but Miami has actually become a very physical running team. And one of the hottest running backs in the league is is playing for Miami finally. He kind of, in the early part of the season, he was kind of on the bench for various reasons. But Miami's playing really well, running the ball really well. I'm taking Miami to beat the Rams. So you take the Rams to four and six. <laughs> They're almost well, I, no better than 500. By the end I will of the tell season. you this.
1: I knew when you said we're going to have exactly the same picks from this future, I already knew the answer was no or not. No. Okay. I think this is more my risky pick. Out of all the three that you think, all the other two that I've already said that you thought were risky, I do think this is my most risky pick yet. I am choosing the Rams, and the main reason I'm choosing the Rams is is, is is this this is the riskiest one. The the, the biggest reason I'm choosing this is just the unknown factor of what golf can do and what opening the playbook for him means, I don't even know. But I know that the Dolphins are playing well, and honestly, my first – my first thing was I'm going to just choose the dolphins because that makes the most sense. But my other part of my gut said just take a risk. And the biggest risk, and I knew this one is the biggest risk. I don't think the other two are as much of a risk as you're making them sound. But this one definitely is a risk because it's totally unknown. And that could work yeah. against me or for me. I always,
0: um, so I always convince myself that I'm right each and every week, and then I go back and look and say, how did I miss this, this, and this? Because I I think I'm going to get 11 or 12 right every week, and then when it turns to eight, I'm like, how did I not see this? So.
1: Yeah, so I'm choosing the Rams, and, I mean, you know, honestly, I got to just go with my gut even if, I in the end, I lose my number one spot. Just got to go. Can't all right,
0: so I, I believe I believe the next one would be a slam dunk. New England Patriots on the road 7-2 and two with the San Francisco 49ers 1-8. and eight. I think the 49ers are pretty much cashed in their season. It would be the upset of all upsets that the 49ers found a way to beat the Patriots. So I'm going to take the Patriots, of course. Give me the chalk.
1: Yep. I'm
0: there with you. Alright, so we both know that uh, we're taking the Seahawks over the Eagles yes, absolutely it's gonna be a closer game than I want again. I wish that i didn't have i don't to know have why people an, <laughs> I know
1: expect anything know. different
0: uh, it's always <laughs> gonna it's gonna be one of those. I'm gonna go ahead and take my instead of wait until later this evening to take my blood pressure medication. I'll take it this morning so I'm prepared. All right, so we've got Green Bay on the road against the Washington Redskins, 4-5 and five against 5-3-1. Five, and one. Uh, Green Bay really needs this game, but not as bad as Washington. Washington, to me, lose this game, and they really fall far behind the Cowboys and the Giants. Uh, you know, if the Giants, we with us calling the Giants for a win, puts them at, Seven and three, and that's a long way to go for the Redskins to get back there. So I'm taking the Redskins. There's something wrong in Green Bay, and I don't know if they fixed it, but uh, I like the way the Redskins are playing defense. So I'm going to take the Redskins at home.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think they fixed it with uh, a Green Bay. So I chose the Redskins as well.
0: And the last game taking place in Mexico City. The Monday night football game is being played south of the border as the Houston Texans play the Oakland Raiders. Yes, and I believe that uh, just going off of kind of what I see, I believe the Oakland Raiders will probably have the home field advantage there because it's probably easier to get there from California. There are numerous Hispanic Oakland Raider fans. I think between the Oakland Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys, it may be the two largest uh, Latino fan bases for National Football League teams. But I am taking the Oakland Raiders to win in Mexico City at Stadium Azteca on Monday night.
1: I'm all about the Raiders. Uh, I'm proud of this team in the sense of where where they've you know they have been for a while and now how they're right. coming and and really reviving this this franchise that have very diehard hard fans the
0: raiders are a, a afc team to keep your eyes upon uh if if the playoffs started today i mean everyone would probably have new or- uh new england as their favorite but oakland is learning how to win and They are learning how to be a balanced football team that can play some decent defense, and they're also going to get back another pass rusher here in a couple weeks with Alden Smith coming back from suspension. So they have a chance to improve even more. Um, They're making a name for themselves, and they are becoming a contender in the AFC. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, so we got – Two minutes left. What oh, no, we don't. We got 90 seconds.
1: About? We okay. got 90 seconds. I just got told. I was like, 90 seconds. I'm like, oh, I was I was just good. getting all lax today get all lax right, today so about
0: it. It's just going to be a – we didn't talk too much about today's matchup, but I think it's going to – like like I said, it's going to be one of those emotional games. I'm looking forward to hearing all the post-game about a Seahawks' victory and mm-hmm. moving forward. It's just the sky's the limit from here on out.
1: And I will say this uh, in closing in regards to this game. Uh, it's nice to hear Carson Wentz say that he looks up to Russell Wilson and has it's like part of his childhood. And it's it's kind of a funny thing to hear, but just a reminder that he was just 15 when he was watching Russell Wilson play uh, in NC State. So um, it's been kind of amazing to see just how much what Russell Wilson is going to be uh to many players uh, in the future that this is a guy that legitimately kids will be like little when they were watching him and will be coming into this league and be affected by what he did. I I, I think that our, our quarterback will someday be in the Hall of Fame. I, I really do. And I, I, I'm I so sad that we didn't get to talk about him wanting to bring the Sonics back and getting into the loop with that. But next week we'll probably Well, we be could able come back next guy. week and talk about that. That, absolutely so okay
0: really, it was good to be back so
1: it is we had a chock. Uh, it was chock full so anyway thanks you guys uh talk to you guys next week